You know what you know, and if you're lucky, you know what you don't know. But do you know what affects what you know without you knowing it? Whew, try saying that five times fast. It's a mouthful, lots of no's in there. This might be easier. Do you ever sit back and think about where your knowledge, decisions, and understanding are coming from? And if all of that information is accurate? We all have internal biases and are prone to errors in decision-making. So do the people we work with. And that means we often don't know everything we really need to know about a situation we're developing a plan for. This is how the things going on inside our heads and the things we have nothing to do with can influence the quality and success of our communications plans. Plus, we have to know how to mitigate the damage it can cause. If you're a communications pro who works hard, doesn't compromise quality, and gets the job done, welcome home. We'll share our tips, tricks, and stories, and together we will change the face of PR. Spin sucks, but we don't. With the Spin Sucks podcast, here's Jenny Dietrich. Welcome back to the Spin Sucks podcast. I'm Jenny Dietrich. Let's talk about what we don't know. There are a whole lot of categories of things we don't know. My personal list includes astrophysics, why it's not legal to hunt squirrels for sport, and the economics of high-end children's clothing. Narrowing it down would be helpful now. We're talking about how the things we don't know relate to our communication strategy after all. That means both our internal biases and the external factors that can throw us for a loop when we don't stay aware that we don't know everything. I mean, unless you're me because my kid is still young enough to think I know everything and she tells everybody that. Well, my mom knows everything and I don't correct her. <laughs> this happens a lot in politics and it's happening a lot around the coronavirus. We find things that support the way we think and we poo-poo the facts that support a different opinion. It also happens in parenting. For those of you who are parents, you know what I mean. I remember before I was a parent, I was a jerk, and I would think really awful and really judgy things about parents I'd see out and about. Oh, I'd never let my kid throw a tantrum in a restaurant. <laughs> oh, technology's so bad for them. They won't have phones or tablets. I don't want to be gender-focused, and I will prevent it. Yeah, that didn't work out so well either. It's just not how it goes at all. Of course, I am attracted to articles and research that show that technology is bad for kids, and I avoid the ones that say it's actually okay. At the same time, there's absolutely no way to prevent them from using technology. My poor kid is on her iPad for nine or 10 meetings every day. She complains about being screen tired, especially right now when most kids are still learning from home. Screens cannot be avoided. Suddenly, all those judgy thoughts you had, I had, when I was childless, no longer have merit. But what does this have to do with cognitive biases? A cognitive bias is a systemic deviation from the norm of rationality in judgment. That is to say, cognitive biases are our minds playing tricks on us and convincing us we're right, sometimes without any good reason. Confirmation bias is the first one on my list, and it's when you approach an idea with an idea of the way things are or should be, and then you'll look for clues and signals that you're right. We want to be right so badly that we overlook contradictory information. You know exactly what I mean, because it happens every single day right now with everything that's going on in our world. Let's say I was planning a social media campaign about squirrels and their crimes against humanity. I would research different articles, conduct interviews, and prepare the campaign. 
But because I expect all of the information out there about squirrels to agree with me in that they're miserable, miserable vermin, I'll be likely to completely overlook any facts, evidence, or stories that demonstrate they can be useful or helpful. Truth be told, I probably can't find any of those things, but if they existed, I would overlook them. I would ignore the articles that my friends sent to me showing me they're cute and cuddly and sit like proper animals at tabletops to eat with tiny silverware. Nope. I ignore those articles and only pay attention to the data that agrees with me. They're not cute or cuddly, and they don't deserve to be revered at all. When it comes to squirrels, I am right, and the people who think they are cute and cuddly are wrong. But if you experience confirmation bias about any other topic, you might find yourself missing valuable, relevant information. This is a hard bias to overcome, but you have to try to clear your mind of expectations in terms of how people will respond to a topic or idea and rely on data that is, as much as possible, collected objectively. Thankfully, <clears throat> my communications plan has nothing to do with squirrels, and I can clear my mind to create something that isn't full of my cognitive bias. It's not easy, but it is doable. In just a minute, I'll be back to talk to you about the second cognitive bias we're going to cover today and how to examine the context of your plan objectively. I'll be right back. All right. The second cognitive bias that I want to cover today is the curse of knowledge. Anyone who's become an expert in their field suffers to some degree from the curse of knowledge. You spend so long learning and growing and developing opinions and understandings of the concepts you deal with every day that you forget just how specialized that knowledge is. And that means you tend to assume that other people have the same or similar basic understanding. They don't. And if you talk to them like they do, things tend to go badly. The curse of knowledge can wreak havoc on a communications plan when you talk over people's heads. And that goes for your clients, your leadership team, your colleagues, your friends, your family, as much for the broader audience that you're communicating with. If you don't already know what level of knowledge or understanding the target of your campaign is, ask them directly or ask people who work with them. You want to meet people where they are, not shoehorn them up to where you are. But even when you have the best possible control over your own internal biases, you still have to be wary of the next element that can blindside you when it comes to your communications plans, the context you're working in. Wait, Jenny, you might be thinking, I know what the plan is. I know who is involved. I know who it's for, what the goals are. How would I be surprised by the context? I hear you. But it's the fact that you think you know so much that's going to trip you up. Often, our examination of the context for a given plan or campaign only includes the information we have easy access to, not everything that actually exists. We make assumptions about what is possible, what is available, and what people are going to think of it. The problem is we're often wrong, and sometimes there's less budget than planned. No one knows how a certain tool or technology works, or a big competitor did exactly the same thing last quarter. And actually, the spokesperson we want to use is climbing Kilimanjaro that month that we want to use them. Lots of things can go wrong, which reminds me of a time early in the days of my agency, we planned a fire ant funeral at the Fire Ant Festival in Georgia. Our client was the creator of a fire ant killer, which if you live in the South, you know is a very necessary thing. I hate those little buggers. So our plan was to host a funeral for a fire ant complete with mourners, a preacher, and a casket. It was quite genius, I'm not going to lie. We had every media outlet in the country on the hook, 
even Good Morning America was set to do a piece. That was the morning that President Bush took us to war. So yeah, talk about not examining the context appropriately. Had we done that, we would have seen the signs. And while we couldn't have predicted it would happen that very morning, we could have had a plan B in case it did. We ended up going ahead with the funeral, and it was hilarious, hilarious. But we ended up having to send B-roll to the confirmed media outlets and didn't get nearly the same amount of traction as we had anticipated. Rightly so, of course, but still. When the client looks at results and you're like, well, you know, we went to war that day. He's like, yeah, okay, but where are my results? (laughs) So the yin and the yang of what we do, right? So you always want to do a context audit with your clients or your leadership team and key members before starting any big plan or campaign. Use a checklist and make sure you include external implications. Could last week's attempted coup change anything you need to do? Many marketers were shutting off scheduled social media updates. We actually stopped producing content. It's been sucks. What else might you have to do at times like this? What if something bad happens on inauguration day as they're predicting? Is your communications program ready? What's your backup plan if you have a webinar or a roundtable that day and something goes wrong in our country? How does the context of what's happening in the world, the things that you cannot control, how is that going to affect your plans? Our brains are not reliable and we're also super emotional. So make sure you have everything you can think of on a checklist. It helps make your brain more reliable, and it takes the emotion out. Make sure you have a good understanding of the goals, the people involved, the tools and technology that are relevant, the budget you're working with, and the environment your plan is going to be working in, including all of the external things you can't control. You'll probably never be able to know absolutely everything about a situation going in, but making a point and having a system for getting as much critical information as possible about the timelines, budgets, resources, and audiences you're dealing with means you'll make far fewer mistakes and you can go back to stressing out about confirmation bias. That's all for this week. Have you ever been betrayed by a cognitive bias or been absolutely blindsided by information you really should have had at the outset? We want to hear your stories. You can find us in the best community of communicators on the internet in the Spin Sucks community. You can find us at spinsucks.com slash spin hyphen sucks hyphen community. That's spinsucks.com slash spin hyphen sucks hyphen community. I'll see you next week. If you're ready to change the face of PR, make sure you subscribe to the Spin Sucks podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a rating and a review. 